The first thing is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. Well, Renee's back, and, and Renee, you are looking quite tan and, and quite depressed. Quite refreshed. <laughs> a little of all of the above, yeah. It was, uh, it was a great week off. Happy to be back. But, yeah, it was, you know, that last day you're like, oh, man, it's our last day here. Then we get to go you back know, to the cold. Right. Back to reality. Yeah. See, see me, the last day I'm I'm always ready to go home because I miss my dog. Probably about two, three days into the vacation, I miss my dog and I'm ready to go home. Yeah, I was I wasn't feeling that. I was OK with it. <laughs> <laughs> they stayed the dog- with my sister. I knew they were in good hands. It was they fine. Could- they can start a new life without it's us. We'll fine. just stay here. Yeah, they yeah. were in good hands. I, I thought about that. I, I looked at radio stations in uh, Dominican Republic. I'm not bilingual yeah. enough, so that wasn't going to work. So it was it was back to the grind. Well, and Jason <laughs> and I would have been waking you up every uh, early every Monday morning if you did that. So, so there wouldn't really be a net benefit Aww, to it anyway. I did miss you guys. Well, we missed you too. Uh, Jason and I had, had 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 a great time, but of course, it's it's great to have the whole crew back together. Yeah. And uh, so yesterday, oof, I'm I'm not willing to use the term "same old Lions" yet, Renee, for a, a team with nine wins, uh, like some people on 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 social media were doing uh, among the fan base. But yesterday was was quite a stinker. It, it, it really felt was. like Thanksgiving again. It really did. Yeah. Not sure what happened. Is we this should, the there's game, no reason we should have lost that game. Is this, is this the game where everybody jumps off the wagon? I feel like people have been did jump off the wagon. I mean, and they have little by little, I, but this one's like, oh yeah, this this is probably truly what this team is. Well, and and that's kind of how this this gun shy fan base is going to be for a while. Um, you know, it's going to take decades and decades of good football to undo sort of this this feeling that the sky is going to fall fall in on us at any second that this is just a fluke and and at any second the rugs are going to be pulled out from under us now i will say this jason and renee um like i said i'm not willing to 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 use the s word but if the lions somehow miss the playoffs this year i will i i will consider that same old line well, i don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to. They need one win. Their schedule is is not the easiest. Uh, that game against Denver this Saturday is not the gimme it looks like. In fact, Denver's pretty hot, and Russell Wilson's a mobile quarterback. And as we've seen against Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, the Lions don't do great against mobile quarterbacks. It's weird. They get to them, they swarm them, and then it's like the schoolyard. All of a sudden, you see Justin Fields squirt out through that sea of humanity and run for 20 yards. And when they contained him, because the first quarter, they, they could not stop him while he was running. When they made the adjustment, then he beat him with his arm. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing. I don't see us going 0-4, but I also didn't see us losing one game to the uh, Bears, let alone almost two. And the Vikings, they 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 won, like, the lowest scoring game yesterday since 2007, the NFL. Mm. But... The Lions only have one win against teams with winning records, and all four of our opponents have winning records. So, 
Um, we got, we're going to have to send Renee to, to one of these games because they're undefeated. <laughs> they're undefeated. I thought Renee would stop it. by Chicago on her way home just to hell. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little yeah. layover. <laughs> I was all over the place with the layovers. I think we figured it out and I was in six airports with my week off. So I, Chicago could have been one of them. You never know if, hey, send wow. me somewhere. I'll go again. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Renee actually ended up at, uh, in Dallas last night for Monday night football. She just got <laughs> yeah, it. Right. All right. Well, <laughs> So, uh, Renee, I don't think there's such a thing as justice for the families of Tate Meir, Hannah St. Juliana, Madison Baldwin, and Justin Schilling. But Oakland County Judge Kwame Rowe, he did all he could within his power when the Oxford High School shooter was sentenced to life in prison without parole on Friday. At the end of an emotional sentencing hearing where a number of victim impact statements were read, the shooter himself spoke for the first time saying that he was a bad person and that he himself was responsible for the shooting. And I just hope this brings some peace to the families of the murdered teenagers and the members of the community. They'll, they'll have to carry this with them for the rest of their lives. Not only the sentence itself, but them being able to say their peace to the shooter. I mean, I, I would imagine that there is so much pent up over those two years. Yeah. Um, that it had, hopefully it was somewhat cathartic to, to at least. Let him know what what you thought about him before he went to jail for the rest of his life. I, I I can't imagine what it must have felt like to be in that courtroom. Twenty nine people delivering victim impact statements. Uh, you know, it, like you said, cathartic. But uh, that community has a long, long process of healing. Well, after Friday. Yeah, and again. Families of all four victims spoke and kids who were friends with the victims spoke out in. And, and again, I'm, I'm just so amazed at the strength of these kids who are who dealt with something that no one should have to deal with, let alone as kids. Um, and there really couldn't have been any other sentence. I mean, Tate Muir, Hannah St. Juliana, Madison Baldwin and Justin Schilling, they don't get a second chance. So this no. guy shouldn't get a second chance. And I think those of us in the public and those of us in the media um, we can do our part by forgetting this guy's name. Don't forget what happened. Don't forget those who died that day. But it was quite apparent in the Miller hearings over the summer that the shooter did this for the notoriety. So what we can do is our part to say his name as little as possible and forget his name and yep. uh, let him fade away into obscurity. And as Madison Baldwin's mother addressed him and said, your weakness consumes you. Yeah. And I mean, it was so powerful. And I, right before the two year anniversary, Justin Schilling's dad was on, um, I, I forget which news channel here in Detroit, but he was just talking about how, you know, what used to be the best time of the year is now nothing but pain. I and couldn't that, imagine. Ugh. Yeah. And, and it, you know, not only because their child is no longer there, but all this happened November 30th, right as the, um, holiday season was beginning. Yeah. Uh, the United States, they vetoed a UN Security Council resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. And that uh, and that was actually backed by all other members of the council, minus the UK who abstained from the vote. Now, both the US and Israel said that a ceasefire would only benefit Hamas and would allow them to retool and become more powerful. Meanwhile, the humanitarian crisis has become more dire for the Palestinian civilians, 83% of all households say they don't have an adequate food supply, 38% saying they're suffering from a quote-unquote severe amount of hunger, and it's becoming too dangerous for aid agencies to operate. And over the weekend, uh, the 
United States, they sent some more firepower to Israel. Yep, going around Congress, the Biden administration said Saturday that it has approved the emergency sale to Israel of nearly 14,000 rounds of tank ammunition worth more than $106 million as Israel intensifies its military operations in the southern Gaza Strip. The move comes as President Joe Biden's request for nearly $106 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security is languishing in Congress, caught up in a debate over U.S. immigration policy and border security. Some Democratic lawmakers have spoken of making the proposed $14.3 billion in American assistance to its mid Mideast ally contingent on concrete steps by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's government to reduce civilian casualties in Gaza during the war with Hamas. Uh, the State Department said that it had notified Congress of the sale late Friday after Secretary of State Antony Blinken determined an emergency exists that requires the immediate sale of the munitions in U.S. national security interests. So that means the purchase will bypass the congressional review requirement for foreign military sales. Now, such determinations are rare but not unprecedented when administrations see an urgent need for weapons to be delivered without waiting for lawmakers' approval. Yeah, and you you have to wonder if the same thing might happen with um, more aid going over to Ukraine, which obviously has been caught up uh, in a congressional political football game. Republicans, they want any aid sent over to Ukraine tied in with border security. Democrats just want to send it over. Uh, there was a headline on USA Today, Benjamin Netanyahu, says that um, – Dozens of members of Hamas are surrendering, and this isn't the end of the war, but it could be the beginning of the end. Let's hope. Let's, let's hope, hope so. Yeah. And uh, real quick before we hit the break, Renee, a second suspect has been taken into custody in the murder of Detroit Synagogue President Samantha Wall. Uh, this is not the same suspect who was taken into custody about a month ago. That person was acquaintance of Miss Wall. This person had no association with her, a random stranger. So uh, hopefully there will be a break in the case soon, and that family can find some closure yes. as well. Uh, we have to take a quick the break. Texas First Supreme Court Mike Parsons has temporarily blocked the woman's decision to get an, an emergency abortion on Friday after a lower court okayed the procedure. Kate Cox, she's a mother of two. She was 20 weeks pregnant when... She was um, told that her unborn baby was given a fatal diagnosis, saying that it would likely not survive to childbirth. Cox was granted a 14-day restraining order against Texas abortion ban, uh, which is a complete ban except for the health of the mother, I believe, on Thursday. When Attorney General Ken Paxton petitioned the state Supreme Court to overturn it, the Supreme Court said it needed more time and that Kate Cox did not demonstrate that her pregnancy rose to the level that would allow her to get an abortion in the state of Texas. And Renee, this is the exact scenario people were afraid of when the Supreme Court overturned Roe vs. Wade. Yeah, I was just double checking Ken Paxton if he was Dr. Paxton or Attorney General Paxton because ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, ding. And that's what's happening. You are having lawyers you are having judges making medical decisions. And just like you wouldn't want a doctor making a legal decision, you sure as hell don't want a judge or an attorney general making a medical decision. Well, and then on top of it, Paxton threatened to go after her husband and and threatened to sue him or, you know, put him in jail if he if he tried to basically let his wife or, you know, allow his wife to get this life saving abortion that she needs. 
which is just yeah, and, ridiculous. It's a, he's bullying him, basically. Yeah. And look, outlawing abortion except for in the event of the mother's health being at risk, it sounds like a good compromise until this happens. And, you know, health of the mother. I mean, is it is it healthy for a woman to carry a, a fetus that is going to die for the second half of her pregnancy? A non-viable uh, fetus. Which, by the way, if if this woman does not have this abortion – she will not be able to have more children in the future. She could die as well. Yeah, right. I, I, I mean, and I don't know the specifics, but I would imagine that carrying around a non-viable fetus probably is not very healthy for It's definitely not good for your mental health. So now instead of this woman getting this medical procedure, for this, the, and it's not like she's it's not like she's she's snuffing out a young life. the The child's not going to survive anyway. Instead of her getting this medical procedure done and starting the healing process both physically and emotionally, now she has to uh, she has to convince the Supreme Court uh, that you know she's uh, her case is worthy of abortion. Um, something that is so private and painful has now been made public because she's. She's national news. And what what happens when a woman has to have a life-saving abortion urgently? And, and this, this is a woman who has two children already. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, too, Renee, and this is anecdotal, but I, I would like to see the numbers on this. Um, the, all the women in my life that I know of who have had an abortion, they had every intention of giving birth to that baby. They had every intention of carrying that baby to term and raising it. But what happens in a non-perfect world, in a perfect world, I, 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 in a perfect world, there'd be absolutely no abortions. Every pregnancy would be wanted. Every pregnancy would be healthy for both mother and baby. Um, but, but what happens is you run into these situations where it's very unhealthy or, or even life-threatening uh, for some women to carry on with, uh, the full term of their pregnancy. And now you're running into the scenario down in Texas where let's say somebody was right there on the operating table or someone was right there in the emergency room. And there was a doctor that determined that, that this woman needed to have a life-saving abortion. Um, and then either a judge thinks that it didn't rise up to that level. Does that doctor go to jail? Um, does this force doctors to, to have to, uh, confer with a judge before they, uh, you know, before they make a medical decision. That's exactly what's happening here. None of these doctors were able to use their medical professional experience, knowledge to do what is the right medical decision, which is to abort this baby. They are not able to use their professional experience and knowledge to do what's right because of the what? fear of losing their license, going to jail, whatever, because you have right. lawmakers who are apparently doctors and know what's best. Well, then what happens now when a woman dies because of this? Well, or, ultimately, that's what's going to ha happen. These lawmakers right. are going to have blood on their hands, and that's what it's going to come down to. Um, a lot of people actually in Texas, they travel to Kansas to have abortions because of how restrictive of Texas laws. Are. Yeah, they're going to have look, to leave the state to have an abortion, which is ridiculous. Right. And look, I don't like the thought of people having abortions because they just, you know, Me have a mistake. Right. But I, 
I don't think that there's as much of that happening as people think. No, um, that's the extreme. Right. I, I think, like I said, I think most abortions are done as medical procedures. They're extremely tragic because the women having these abortions wanted to have the baby and something happens along the way. And, uh, you know, uh, the fact that this woman has to um, convince the Texas Supreme Court that she needs to have this done, it's just it's 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 appalling and it's 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 dystopian. And there's no other word I, I, I can use to describe this. This I just mean, shows I, that it can't be black and white. These rules can't be black and white. Abortion laws can't be black and white. And I would think that most people who are against abortion, except for the health of the mother, probably would deem this to be a medically necessary abortion. Right. Because, okay, let's say that this isn't life-threatening. It's still going to inhibit her ability to have more children in the future. It's going to mess up her mental health. And who knows what other health problems might come up if she's not able to – terminate this pregnancy of this child uh, that is probably unfortunately already passed away in the womb. Right. So it's uh, well, then so, that's yeah. again, she's carrying a non viable fetus that is going to cause her health issues. Uh, again, now we're not putting one life, you know, we're not dealing with one life. We're dealing with two. Right. And, and, and you're all, and God Go forbid ahead, something happens to her. Now you're dealing with the fact that you're you're going to have two other lives because, again, she has other children. The possibility that you're going to have two young children without a mother. Uh, God forbid. But that's and a possibility. And now and what have you what, done? Right. And also what you're doing is now you are taking away the possibility of more children being born in the future because she's a mother of two. Right. She obviously uh, was trying to have a third baby. Right. Um. And, you know, a lot of times what happens, a lot of women suffer in silence. They have miscarriages or or they have to, uh, you know, have a procedure because the baby dies in the womb before childbirth. And then they go on to have a couple other children. And that is being put in jeopardy in this woman's case as well. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, uh, like I said, it's the worst possible scenario that people were worried about when um, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Uh, scary moment on the ice for Dylan Larkin over the weekend, Renee. Yeah, at Little Caesars Arena after the Detroit Red Wings captain, he appeared to lose consciousness after a hit to the back of the head during Saturday's game versus Ottawa. Larkin was hit in the first period into the back of the head and then crunched by another player as he fell into the ice. He appeared motionless, laying on his stomach for about a minute. Uh, Red Wings players and training staff rushed to Larkin on the ice to administer medical attention. A stretcher came out to transport Larkin off the ice, but he was helped up by teammates and he slowly skated off the ice into the locker room for further medical attention. The Red Wings said that Larkin was being evaluated by medical staff and that he would miss the rest of the game. The Red Wings lost the game to the Senators 5-1, to one, their second straight loss. And I was I was trying to find an update, but we really haven't heard anything further as far as his condition goes. Yeah, and it was great to see him skating off under his yeah, own power. Yeah, that's um, always the best scenario. Because he was lying motionless. That you was have, really scary. Yeah, flashbacks to Yuri Fisher. You have yep. flashbacks to, to Damar Hamlin. 
And uh, it was kind of a mess in the aftermath. Larkin's teammate, David Perrone, he actually got ejected. He's facing a five-game suspension because there was a third player who was standing over Larkin, and it actually looked like that third player from Ottawa was was calling to the bench to get help. But I think Perrone misread the situation. He just launched himself at that dude and cross-checked him in the head, um, which, like I said, I think I think he meant to be – Standing up for his teammate, but he, he he got the the absolute wrong guy. Right, and man, Larkin's been through a lot. I mean, he just rejoined the team after an extended absence because it, he and his wife lost a baby, and he shared that on Instagram. So, man, get get better, Dylan Larkin, and and I hope I hope things get better for you. I I mean, he seems like a great guy. No one deserves this run of luck that he's had. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, hopefully job one is making sure that, uh, um, you know, he gets better and he's healthy and he's able to uh, continue uh, with his, uh, with his NHL career. But yeah, real scary moment. I was glad to see that he skated off under his own power. It's uh first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And it's the start of a new week. We're heading into JR morning with Guy, Lloyd and Jamie and, Guys, today is the day the music died because there will be no singing coming from Lloyd Jackson after the Lions. Uh, they looked really, really bad against Chicago yesterday. I mean, it Lloyd was, is it, so devastated by it, he took the day off. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, well, that's what happened. That was the, it, 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 we were jinxed. Lloyd can't take Mondays off anymore. <laughs> that was, Lloyd's that fault. Was it. No. Uh, well, that's good. It's probably best that he's not here because, um, yeah, I, look. There was a lot of people, and I understand this This fan base has had their heart broken so many times. A lot of people are using the S word. I'm not willing to do that for a nine-win team yet, but uh, this is as bad as they've looked all season. Well, it's unfortunately a trend with the defense, and what is concerning to me is the offense looked really bad, especially in the second half, just 61 yards of offense and no points. That's a problem. It, it, it looked like Jared was passing at people's feet, and it yeah. wasn't just because he didn't right. have time. And even when yeah. he had time, it was like, where what, what, where did that pass come from? Yeah, it, It's yeah, a bit want... concerning. Dan Campbell says, you know, no, we just weren't disciplined. We committed penalties. We're going to be fine. And they're very good at not making one loss into two, so we'll see. Yeah, and I am glad you guys brought up Jared Goff because I, I'm thinking to myself something is not right with him. He's battling through something that we're not aware of. Uh, it was almost like in the movie Space Jam when all the uh, NBA All Stars lost their powers. That's sort of like <laughs> listen, yeah. When you look at all the turnovers, that's exactly what it looks like. I mean, and yeah, I mean. I don't know if he's battling anything. I think p- players can go into slumps, and he's in that. He's v- a lot better at home. So let's hope they host a home playoff game. Well, and you yeah. saw what happened to the Eagles yesterday. The 49ers uh, won, but they've had a couple of losses. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of teams out there that go into a mini slump this time of the season. And you're right. They are 9-4. and four. This is not SOL in my mind. And they have a two-game lead still with four games to go, and they play the Vikings twice. Well, can we have a reality check? What was what was the consensus uh, viewpoint at the beginning of the season that this was a 10-and-a-half win team? Well, right? Right. And we've and, got and, four games to go, and they're at nine. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's... It, 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 we... Uh, 
our expectations may have been uh, kind of uh, created unrealistic expectations with the Kansas City win. They've beaten some great teams. They have. And I got to tell you, Rudy, well, they lost, you know, they lost to a horrible team. As much as we love, love to say the Bears suck, they didn't suck yesterday. Justin no. Fields was put and I can't imagine what his body feels like today. He took some incredible shots. Well, there's talk if their offense can sustain itself the way that their quarterback gets hit so much. But right. we don't care about them. We care about the Lions. Jamie, I don't yeah. know why I'm feeling so comforted by you right now. Thank you. <laughs> She's like, it's okay. Everybody calm down. I think it's okay, guys. I really She's do. She's our lion security blanket. <laughs> oh, I, thank you. I feel so much better today. Thank you. You are welcome. I was going to say, I well, hope well, I'm we right. Should just, yeah, we should just bring Jamie on after every loss just to calm everybody down. <laughs> Good morning, thank everybody. You, I'm Guy Gordon, and I'm with my whoopie, Jamie Edmonds. <laughs> She's like and, this warm hug this morning. Right. <laughs> And, and by the way, you guys uh, looked fabulous on Spotlight on the news yesterday. Um, Jamie, you did a great job of um, making the case for Taylor Swift making uh, Person of the Year in Time Magazine. And uh, guy, was it what was it like being at your old stomping grounds? Was it like uh, a high school reunion going back to visit? He your was old high hugging school a lot of people. There, you know, it was, it, <laughs> most it was them, funny. Most of them he knew. That was the first time. Yeah, <laughs> that was the first time I'd been back in twenty years. Wow! In, in the building, and and so that was and and literally. Uh, they moved the men's room. Okay, I mean, I mean, the one, he the walked one... into a conference room. and was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> hopefully, yeah. hopefully, he realized in time that it was no longer a bathroom. But no, it was great, and I did reconnect with some folks. But I also learned that several of my buddies from uh, the studio crew are actually no longer with us. We've lost uh, them over the past two years, oh. and um, and that was uh, that was sad. But it was yeah, and you know, listen, the one thing that never changed, Chuck Stokes. He is just such a calm, talk about a calming voice presence. Yeah, uh, you know, no matter what the, uh, you know, what the times bring, and he brings that perspective to the show. And he's, we're lucky to have him. Well, and I'm watching this. I say, you know what? This is a crosstalk segment. He he just has a bunch of topics for you guys, and he fires them at you. I was like, all right, Chuck, you and I, you you and I can uh, we, we can talk. We can talk. <laughs> uh, Jr. Morning coming up next, uh, guy. Jamie, no Lloyd. I think he's back tomorrow. Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard is heading up a new task force of over over 30 law enforcement agencies to combat a Chilean gang responsible for a rash of high-end robberies in Macomb and Oakland County. Sheriff Bouchard discusses what they're doing to put a stop to the break-ins and what people can do at their own homes to stay safe on All Talk. We spoke about this a, a few months back, but it is still happening. Transnational gangs from South America, places like Chile, are running rampant in Michigan, in particular Oakland County, is what we've been talking about here in the program. And while these gangs are stealing valuables and, and transferring them out of the United States, the sheriff in Oakland County is calling for tighter borders, increased home security, and has also been joined by about 30 different law enforcement agencies to form a new task force to address this rising and recurring threat. And I would imagine because it's the wintertime and people are now heading to places like Florida, warmer climates, uh, they might be more vulnerable now than ever uh, before. Well, at least uh, during the the rest of this might be the most vulnerable time of year is what I'm trying to say. Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard is joining us now. Uh, good morning, Sheriff. Nice to have you back. Good morning. 
Happy to be here, Tom. Well, let's let's talk about first of all the issue that's happening and remind folks about how this uh, this is a rising kind of a rampant uh, situation that's occurring uh, in your county and others as well. Yeah, it's actually a national problem. Um, as you know, I'm head of government affairs for Major County Sheriffs of America, so I've been talking with a lot of my colleagues across the country. California is getting hammered. Parts of Indiana. Florida, uh, New York. I mean, it's all over the place. Uh, the, the intelligence estimates, there are somewhere around 100 teams of four to six operating at any given time in America. Well, that is concerning, uh, the fact that this is now nationwide. And so I got to, I guess, address what might be the obvious question. How are these people getting in here? What's going on? Is it the southern border? It's twofold. They're they're either coming in across the southern border illegally or they're violating what's called the VWP, the Visa Waiver Program. That's a huge path, and that can be changed immediately by Washington, uh, basically with a stroke of a pen. The VWP, um, is it allows someone to get a visa basically applying online. It's a much reduced process, vetting uh, that allows people to come in, uh, basically under the kind of tourist thing. And that's why, you know, nationally this is now being called the tourist criminals, the tourist gangs. Um, because they they get this with lower scrutiny, and then as soon as they get here, they get a bunch of fake ID and false uh, identification, and they begin moving about the country. They overstay the visa and just continue the criminality until uh, the coffers are full, and and then sometimes they head home, sometimes they just keep at it. So um, that's a huge thing that you know we need to have addressed to take away that visa waiver program from Chile. Um, that doesn't mean they can't come to visit America if you're from Chile. It just means you have to go through the visa program, which is a higher level of vetting. Um, and it's important, and here's why. You know, we have had multiple teams in custody that are connected with crimes here in Oakland County, and every one of them hmm. used the VWP to get here. Oh, my goodness. So you know what's happening. Do, do you have the ear of the president? If all it takes is a stroke of a pen, is he listening to you, and does he understand the gravity of this problem? Well, I, I brought it up to some staffers at the White House about a week ago, um, but I haven't heard anything. They they just brought it up as a concern, and then they moved on to another topic without comment. Yeah, I mean, think it's not a big priority for them based on what's happening over the past uh, two and a half years, almost three years now in this country. So you're doing something about it, which we're grateful for. You formed something called the Southeast Michigan Collaborate Arrest and Prosecute Task Force. Explain what that is. So that task force is communities that either have been hit or are concerned about being hit and want to partner. Um, It's all across Southeast Michigan, including federal agencies, uh, because this is a very transient moving group of people. They're highly trained in Chile. They come here. They operate in a very well-trained, almost paramilitary operation when they attack these homes. And then they move on quickly. So we have to work across boundaries since they are. So they're targeting, are they uh, mostly high-end homes in, in your county? Yes. Well, there's there's actually kind of three groups that are operating in the country. One focuses on larceny from auto. So they'll go to a mall or a, a work area and just smash out a million windows and oh. take everything of value out of the car. The second kind of focus is jewelry store robberies. And then the third is very, very high-end home burglaries. We've had the jewelry store robberies um, that have hit two malls here in Oakland County, and they're in my jail. They've got caught. 
the Violent Crime Task Force uh, with us and the FBI and Troy, Auburn Hills, Bloomfield Township, a bunch of agencies are working on that and caught them after they did a jewelry store robbery. And then, the, as I mentioned, the other modality is very, very high-end homes, wherever they may be. So if you've got a multi-million-dollar home with high likelihood of valuables, what they're looking for is cash, high-end jewelry, and high-end watches, even high-end purses. If you have a safe that they can break free and take with them, they do that. Um, they even work to disable certain alarm systems by using a jammer. And they get in, they do what they want, take everything out, and they're gone. And then lots of times they're on to another state. I got to ask you this because I've I've got some relatives who live in some some uh, like a, my brother, my twin brother lives in San Diego, and I was out there, and he said, "Watch, lock your car because they're going to come in, and they're going to steal everything out of it." And he lives in a nice area, and he said, "There's nothing you can do about it because the prosecutors are not prosecuting any unless you unless it's like a thousand dollars worth of stuff that's been stolen, they will not prosecute." Uh, I know that's happening in other parts of the country. Are you seeing, uh, are you, you get a lot of cooperation from like Karen McDonald and, and the prosecutors in this region regarding this specific type of thievery? Yeah, I mean, thankfully, we don't have the problem that they have in California where they're refusing to prosecute people for thefts. Um, it's important that these folks get caught and held accountable. And in fact, we anticipate some charges uh, shortly um, out of the attorney general's office. Uh, Novi man Paul Whalen, who has been detained in Russia since 2018, released a statement less than a week after an offer for his release in Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovitz was rejected by Russia. And it's scathing. Um, I'm just going to read a little excerpt here. Uh, it's much longer. It says, the Russians have ruined my life, one that is destined to end in a slave labor camp fraught with intolerable con conditions. Please bring me home. 